Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, a podcast where we revisit the beloved media of our youth to see if it's still as good all grown up. I'm Cara Gail O'Regan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Pullen-Clark. Hi! And we are rounding out Mike Myers' month here on the podcast with the first in the Austin Powers trilogy, and boy oh boy, yikes. (laughs) We are both, like, super pissed that we are here talking about this, and I know we did it to ourselves. Uh, we? We did it to ourselves? I did it to us. But we're both like. So you had had this idea that we should like revisit all of these dude white guy comedies from the '90s, and I was like, "Oh God, no!" Um, But of all of the people that you had brought up, I thought, "Oh, I let's do Mike Myers." Like, I loved so I married an axe murderer. I loved his movies. Like, I love Wayne's World. He'll be the least offensive. Of all of these people that you mentioned, and um, it turns out he's bad too. He's real bad. Do you still he think that he's the best? Not at all. Good. Do you still think he's going to end up being the best? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just had more fondness, I think, for his mm-hmm. work than I did for Jim Carrey or uh, Adam Sandler or you know any of the other people that you mentioned. Um, it did not hold up. Turns out. I hate Mike Myers. Uh, I watched more Mike Myers movies than you did because I will be on next month's Third Times a Charm, Mike Manzi's podcast, uh, in which we'll be talking about Austin Powers 3. So I watched Austin Powers 1, and I watched Austin Powers 3. You didn't and then watch I watched... the second one though, right? I watched Austin Powers 2, but I watched it with the sound off because I just <laughs> could not handle any more of it. But I did want to see the costumes because if there's one thing I can say about this franchise, great music, great costumes. But then I also obviously watched Wayne's World because that was our last episode. Go check that out. Um, still pretty good. Um, and... Oh, and and then last night I watched So I Married an Axe Murderer, because my initial plan had been, oh, I'll watch all three Austin Powers movies, and then I'll go back and I'll watch the first one when we record this episode, Um, and there was no fucking way that was going to happen. I would rather die than watch another Austin Powers movie again, ever, in my life. So I picked, you know, another favorite that turns out is also terrible. So feeling real good about Mike Myers right now. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you? How did we get here? The most shocking thing that I learned when I I didn't, we were talking off air, like both of us just feel like so blah about this movie that like we didn't do like any research. So that's what this episode's going to be like. But I did accidentally do some research and we're going to play a guessing game, Kara. Okay. Okay. So I want you to guess how much each of the three Austin Powers movies made in the U.S. Oh. I will tell you that I was shocked at the numbers. I mean, they're crazy, crazy high. 
right? Like, these movies were a phenomenon. Yeah. And that was, like, the thing that most struck me revisiting them was, like, oh, remember when that joke was funny? Oh, remember when that joke was funny? Before, like, everyone just beat it to death, you know? Like, everybody was like, I'm evil and shit. And it's just not... (laughs) That's not a good example. I just couldn't think of anything else. It's been like almost a month since I watched these movies. Um, so, uh, $300 million. For, what is that your guess for? Uh, the third one. Okay. I don't know. Do you have guesses I for just, the other ones? No, I'm just making up numbers. Uh, the first one may be like... One billion dollars. No, uh, no, Sorry, nope, I had to. You're fired from this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, five hundred million for the first one. Okay, no. <laughs> um, cool. The first one made about fifty million. Oh. Um. Really? Yeah. The next two made over two hundred million each. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm surprised that the first one didn't make that much. I mean, I think that one probably did better, like, in VHS. Over time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, over yeah. time, I think that one did better. But then, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I think I think that's just, like, what struck me about it was, like, I also kind of forgot, like, what a f- phenomenon these were. Like, I was mm-hmm. just shocked at those numbers because, like, you couldn't pay me to sit down and watch the other two. Oh, they're awesome bad. Powers movies right bad. now. Like, this one is not that bad, at least in comparison to the other two. Like, I actually, I was surprised by how much I laughed while I was watching this first one. Um, but the other two are just, I mean, especially by the third one, it's just folding in on itself. It consists of just recycled jokes, and it's just... Oh boy. And then the whole mini me thing, which I had completely forgotten about and like would not have signed up to talk about the third movie if I had remembered that mini me was in it because it's, oh boy, you can hear us talk about it on Mike's podcast (laughs) because mini me is not in this first movie. Thank God. But, um, this first movie is made up of approximately 80% racist jokes and like thirty percent ableist jokes, and also and I know just that like that makes more than a hundred percent. Aren't funny. Yeah, well, some of the dick jokes are funny. Not. Uh... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so you had said that this was a movie that you watched every day. I watched this movie every day when I was eleven. I don't know why. <laughs> like just thinking back on it, like I, the only thing I can think of is because Seth Green was in it. Like, because I was in love with Seth Green when I was, like, 11 and 12 and 13. Well, that was another thing that I got upset about watching this was I was like, oh, my God, this is why he left Buffy, wasn't it? He, like, left that to go be a movie star. I mean, it was a good move for him. I think people really liked the Scott Evil character. (laughs) Yeah. For real, because he's in the second one more than he's in the first one, yeah? Yeah. And, And the third one, too. Um. Yeah, that's really the only thing I can think of about why I would have watched this so much. Like, because, like, it was at the point where, like, I knew all the words to it. And even watching Mm -hmm. it again now, I was sitting in my living room, like, watching it with my roommates who weren't really watching it with me. They were kind of, like, watching me watch it. 
and I was like saying all the words and one of them was like you like this movie and I was like no I really don't I just like can't help it I know it really well well you liked this movie then, at one point yeah and then I was like but then I was like really I got angry yesterday because I was like why is this what's in my head like mm-hmm. like like there's so many things in the world there's so many cool amazing beautiful things in the world and like this is what's in my head yeah and I'm mad about it I don't blame you um and also like I can hate it why was I allowed to watch this when I was 11 yeah I mean these movies are really quite something um I don't know I do know that I think I saw Austin, like, this movie before I ever saw a James Bond movie. But then I, like, That's... went on to really enjoy James Bond stuff. So I've still never seen a James Bond movie, I don't think. And oh, wow. that's the first thing I wrote was, like, are is this a better movie if you've seen a lot of James Bond movies? I mean, I think you can appreciate it more because you're laughing at how they're taking these, like, tropes and stuff and, like, doing a send-up of it. But I don't know. I, it, like, when I was watching Austin Powers, I was like, I just want to go watch a James Bond movie. <laughs> like, this is exhausting. Yeah. There was one joke that I heard that I thought was funny that I don't don't ever remember like truly picking up on when I was young and it's at the beginning where they're like in the car and the fancy video phone rings and Basil Exposition is like Dr. Evil is planning a trap for you tonight at the Pussycat Swingers Club or whatever it's called and they're like okay we'll be there they literally like agree to go to the trap that they don't they didn't have to be there (laughs) they just didn't have to go to the setup and I thought that that was really funny. Mm. But that's the only thing that I kind of, like, chuckled at, that I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> uh, Basil Exposition, played by some guy whose name I don't know, but he is the guy from Cabaret. Mm. Uh, and he wears, in all three movies, he has a carnation on his lapel, at all times and sometimes it's red and sometimes it's white but I could not track any reason why it would be one color or the other because like when so like a lot of times in movies you'll see flowers a lot of times it's just in the background because it's an easy way for a set dresser to make a a space seem more lived in or more real is just like put flowers and plants all over the place but if and, and, like, sometimes they're symbolic, but not always. But if a character is wearing flowers, that's generally going to be a symbolic thing. And different flowers have different meanings and different colors mean different things. But um, I just don't understand why sometimes it's white and sometimes it's red. Because it doesn't have anything to do with the story. And it was driving me crazy <laughs> watching all three of them. Um I mean, I like uh, both red and white carnations are associated with like loyalty and devotion and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, it would make sense that this character, who is basically a servant, like his entire job is to facilitate whatever Austin Powers is doing. So, it makes sense that a character would wear a flower like that. But like, 
be consistent <laughs> or tell me why it's not consistent, you know? Um, this movie is just another example of like a dude getting a woman who's like way too good for him. Oh my god. And her just kind of being like ha 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 and then coming around it like the dude who it's sucks. because he wears her down. Yeah. Like that's the only explanation as to like, like why she comes way. around to it is that like it's just so relentless and so exhausting that and I feel like all of Mike Myers movies are like that. I feel like all of the movies are like that. I mean, yeah, also that. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she, like, actually has some, like, nice moments where she's like, dude, stop it. Yeah. And, like, that's cool. But then he doesn't really stop. And, yeah, she kind of just gives into it. Like. Yeah. And the other thing is that, like, by so by the end of the movie, he says, like, now we have freedom and responsibility. It's a very groovy time about the 90s. Like, because, so the other thing that was interesting about wa- revisiting this movie is that it was interesting to watch this movie, which is about kind of uh, confronting and dealing with how uh, mores and like social values have changed over time in this new modern context it was interesting to revisit this movie which is about that at a time when our culture is kind of doing that again at large um but like whatever lessons that austin learns in this movie about respecting women or like having boundaries or like whatever are completely erased in the subsequent two movies because in the next one he goes back to the 60s and then in the third one it kind of takes place in the 70s but also modern times and it's just like any sort of like respect that he had gained for women in this first movie is just completely erased which is that much more annoying well, and they just, like, throw away the women and replace them with someone else in everyone. Also which, that, is, like, but, I mean, is a James Bond joke. Yes. But still. But, yeah. No, they are treated as very much disposable. <sighs> is he a... He's a... I never understood this part where he, wake, he wakes up and doesn't know that the Cold War is over. Is he mm-hmm. a communist? No. Because he says, like... Oh, because he thinks that the communists won. Like, the last time he was conscious, it seemed like things were heading in a very different direction. So he and was so just, he like, makes this joke of, like, side, hey, comrades. Why... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just, like, never really totally understand that part. <laughs> Imagine if that's what this movie was actually about, <laughs> that, like, a communist from the 60s wakes up in the 90s <laughs> and is like, hey, groovy time, comrade. It would be a different movie. Uh, yeah, I pretty much didn't pay attention to, like, the middle of this movie at all. That's fine, nothing happens. Yeah, like, nothing happens. I've seen it so many times, like, kind of whatever. So I, like, went to sleep between, like, the part where he is like reanimated and I kind of woke up again when um, Dr. Evil and Scott were in group therapy because I actually really like that scene um, Carrie Fisher is oh, the therapist is? yeah which yeah, I never I was noticed say, before who played the therapist yeah I didn't realize it either yeah 
Uh, and I and I like that monologue that Doctor Evil gives. I think that's the best part of the movie. What does he say? The monologue. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna read it to you. Okay. I mean, you'll know it. You'll know it once I start reading it. Um, because I think I think it like perhaps it's I know it's meant to be funny, but I think it perhaps like he's basically talking about his really fucked up childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I see why you're fucked up now. Mm-hmm. If that was your childhood. Sure. Um, it's the one where he talks about his father and then his mother is a prostitute. Mm. And yeah. his father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. <laughs> Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. <laughs> um, he talks about getting beaten like, I don't know. I kind of like that part. And and I also think the chemistry between Dr. Evil and Scott is good. Mm-hmm. And so you get some of that in that scene. I don't know. There are a few, like, psychedelic interstitials. Like, between scenes that don't really flow together they have these you know where like austin powers has like a backing band Mm -hmm. and it's all psychedelic and he's okay here's the other piece of trivia i learned sorry to interrupt but it's related Uh um austin powers um so mike myers made a band in the 90s with a bunch of people whose names i can't remember but they were like real musicians um Uh and the thing that they started to do in this band was they would all have like these like alter egos who were from the 60s and his was austin powers like that's where austin powers Ah. came from and that's why in the credits like austin powers is the lead singer of this band like singing that bbc song which is a great song yeah um that's like a real song that that band made and that's how we got austin powers and mike meyer's wife was like hey you should like make this a real character and like write a movie about it and so he did Mm mm-hmm and there's also, I mean, when I was watching So I Married an Axe Murderer, there's like tiny little fragments of, uh, like Dr. Evil in particular in that movie. Um, it's also in So I Married an Axe Murderer, the first time that he plays more than one character in the movie. He plays his father in that. And obviously in Austin Powers, he plays Dr. Evil and then Fat Bastard and Goldmember. Um but what was I gonna say? Oh, 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 oh. In those like psychedelic interstitials, which I wanted more of. I enjoy yeah, those. I like but, those except too. for one where remember how he also made a movie called The Love Guru? Ugh, yeah. Did they make two yeah. love gurus? Oh, I cannot imagine that they would have, okay. but who knows? Um but in one of those, like, interstitials, he's dressed as the love guru. Oh. So it's, like, interesting to, like, see these bits and pieces from his career and kind of, like, how they connect. Um, except that I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. care. And I don't no. understand why he's been allowed to make so many horrendous movies. Like, especially the third Austin Powers. That movie is embarrassing but it made for 200 million everyone involved i know like, i know but it is we should so be fucking embarrassed. embarrassing they should be laughing at us we should be embarrassed i mean maybe but like it's 
I, I just was like astounding to me and that they were at least like as recently as 2015 talking about making a fourth one. Oh, um, I mean, that's my res- response to that. But like with, you know, everything that's happened, particularly in the last year with the Me Too stuff and whatever, if they made a fourth Austin Powers movie right now, um, I would hope that someone would put everyone involved in it in a spaceship and blast them to Mars because, like... I mean, or it would have to be, like, a wildly different movie. Yeah? Like, what if it was, like... What if it was, like, Austin Powers living in Me Too times? That would just be the first Austin Powers movie because, like, the first one is... Okay, but, you know, but what if it was... Set like... in the 90s, women are empowered no, now, like, and they it's don't... different now. That's sexual harassment, and I don't have to take it, and, like, all of that kind of stuff. Because you know. here's what I always think about, like, when... Not that it's, like, significantly better now, but I think we're at least, like, on our way to, like, some things starting to change. But I think when we grew up, there was, like, all these things that had these messages that were, like women are equal to men and you can stand up for yourself and blah 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 but then like look at how untrue we found that out to be and also represented in most of the things that we were watching it like it's like they were saying it but they wasn't it wasn't real and now i think i hope we are at least on our way to it being real i don't know but i think probably every time there's like you know chatter like this it feels like that and then yeah never you know yeah like the discourse has definitely uh changed a bit but brett kavanaugh still confirmed the supreme court you know what i mean like when it comes down to it when you really like it like the president donald trump still the fucking president um you know when you when you look at like okay so what would it mean if women actually were equal to men and if sexual harassment and rape culture were were really not okay um like what what would be different about our world and all of those things are still the same so you know god yeah. is there so full of rage i'm sorry just had to get that out no, it's okay it's been a while since you've had rage on right. this podcast. Or at least since I since I mentioned the Yeah, rage. I mean I know you probably had it, but all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. well like what okay, like what what is the equivalent of this movie now? Like is there like like I feel like I'm like so out of the loop when it comes to you know, like you know like at movies popular that movies came out in twenty eighteen. Uh, well, they're all superhero movies, so there's that. I mean, well, I think that 2018 was a really interesting year for for movies um, in that, you know, we got Black Panther, we got uh, Crazy Rich Asians, we got, I don't know, Ocean's 8? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't know, it's all bad. <laughs> Not that those movies are bad. It's just the world. It's all bad. What, um, what? Yeah. So when you say, like, what would be the equivalent of this movie, do you mean, like, equivalent in, like, studio backing or popularity or sexual I mean, harassment? Like, like, like what? The, like, the 
style of this movie like the style like, of this movie I, okay like, so, so this, big budget I, obviously this character comedy. doesn't wouldn't fly now like mm-hmm. yeah it's you know but like what what is the evolution of austin powers into whatever we have now and th- there might not but like maybe we just don't have movies like this anymore yeah i don't know I mean, we don't have movies like that anymore. Like the the actual like, like the the number of comedies that that get made is significantly less. And I think that the like it, or at least it feels like the majority of like big budget movies that are coming out are all superhero movies, and that's what's like filled that. Well, and I mean, so I also think like in the '90s and probably also before that. Um, the comedy movies that came out were very like character driven where you would have like one lead Mm -hmm. often like very silly ridiculous like couldn't be a real person character Mm -hmm. and that was that's who the movie followed and comedies don't feel like they're quite like that anymore yeah well, okay, so here's a different way that we could approach this question, which is, like, did Lauren Michaels produce any movies last year? Well, I, I, we've talked about before how there kind of, like, isn't this, like, SNL also used to be very, like, recurring character driven, mm-hmm. and it's not so much anymore. Like, I would, like, the last person we could think of who really did that was, I mean, I guess Kate McKinnon does it, but I don't see yeah. her, like, going off to, like, take any of those characters and make a movie. And and right. Kristen Wiig was the same way. Like, mm-hmm. her characters were awesome, but she wasn't like, I need to make a Target Lady movie because, like, thank God nobody wants <laughs> oh, to see God. that. <laughs> God awful. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so many of those, like, character-driven comedies, like, came either directly out of Saturday Night Live or were from some sort of like Lauren Michaels backed well yeah thing. now the kind of thing that is Lauren Michaels backed is like you know TV shows like 30 right. Rock and like that's that's often where I feel like SNL writers and and actors go now mm-hmm yeah i mean well the and 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 that is indicative of i think like a larger change that has happened where like television has significantly more prestige than it used to and so like the big goal always used to be making movies and now it's like what if we made this you know yeah well and i think like largely the quality has improved with that shift also yeah. Because, like, there's so much media now that, like, if you don't make something that's actually good, people really won't watch it. There are too many choices. Mm-hmm. I also, like, can't even think of a single comedy movie <laughs> from the last, yeah, like, well, year. Uh, Blockers and Game oh, yeah. Night are the two that came up. But those were really, like, the only two, like, big comedies i mean a lot of the the superhero movies do have comedy in them but that's not the but they're not primarily comedy movies right do you want to talk about the faculty instead yeah (laughs) okay so we also watched a good movie this week 
Yeah, it was great. That we'd been wanting to watch for a long time. I I know I had been wanting to watch it for a long time because I also used to watch The Faculty all the time when I was young. It was definitely one of the first rated R movies that I snuck into. Uh. I I think, if I'm remembering it right. Um, And... I somebody brought up Josh Hartnett this week. Oh, oh, this week I don't know. It, it was just I somebody... brought up Josh Hartnett a few months ago because I was watching Penny Dreadful yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh wow, okay, I get it. Josh Hartnett is super hot. Yeah, I didn't. I hadn't previously picked up oh, on God, that. He's so hot. Um, yeah, just somebody I was hanging out with and we started talking about it and I was like, oh man, you know what I'm gonna go home and do right now. <laughs> I'm going to watch The Faculty, and I did, and it was everything that I had dreamed that it was going to be. Yeah, I only saw it once when it came out, so I, in my notes, I have in all caps, gasp, Josh Hartnett, double gasp, Jordana Brewster, quadruple gasp, goth, Clea Duvall, Duvall. I'm gonna die. (laughs) I I mean, (sighs) everyone in this is perfect and also perfectly mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. um yeah even the football kid whose name i don't even know because like he never did anything else um i feel like i've seen him in things yeah, he probably i also don't know his name but he wasn't as famous as the others and then yeah. um also elijah wood is just like perfect in this and then fucking uh john stewart a young john stewart shows up with a goatee yeah, that was very shocking to me. <laughs> yes. Sean Hattosi. And oh my gosh, I cannot That's remember the her name. Player. The woman the woman who is in Twin Peaks, who is Catherine in Twin Peaks, who's super Is that Famka Jensen? No, no no no. Um no. the teacher Baby Newworth. No, no, no. The teacher with the bangs. No. The older teacher, teacher with the bangs. the bangs, the woman. Oh, Piper Laurie. Yeah, Piper Laurie. Well, she plays Carrie's mother in the diploma version of Carrie. Yeah. She's like the crazy religious lady. Like, that's what I know her from. Um, but yeah, there's like so many good people in this. Uh, they're all great. Selma Hayek is in Selma it? Selma Hayek is less good. I don't understand what she's doing in this movie. I don't really either. But... She's like really over overdoing some things that are confusing. Um but otherwise, everyone's great. Oh, also, Robert Patrick. So there's a surprising amount of Wayne's World crossover with this movie. <laughs> Robert Patrick was the guy that plays the T-9000? I forget the number in Terminator 2. And he is in Wayne's World as basically the same character. And then there was something else about Wayne's World. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, the soundtrack to The Faculty, real interesting. Um, and it has both I'm 18 and School's Out, which are two songs that are by Alice Cooper, but they were covered by another band. But uh, in Wayne's World, they wanted Alice Cooper to perform those songs, but they went with some more recent songs of his. So I was like, hey, a lot of, a lot of Wayne's World crossover here. Um. But so it was, so the faculty was written by Kevin Williamson, is that his name? Kevin Williams, know. he's the guy who wrote, he also wrote Scream, he directed Scream, Scream. he also yeah. wrote or created something Dawson's Creek. Um, mm, that sounds right. So, like, he was, like, like the teen guy at the time, I feel like. Um, like, his sensibility for, like, 
casts of high school characters was just like so good and then Mm -hmm. you add robert rodriguez to it and like this movie is just perfect yeah and it's like it really has something for everyone that's what i kept thinking when i was watching it because it's like this like whitman sampler of all of these different like horror and sci-fi tropes that i just found yeah so delightful like it's it's got slasher elements it's got alien shit it's got like the thing it's got all sorts of stuff in it that i just had it i just had so much fun watching it and it also like it puts, you know, like a ragtag group of uh, high school students together where like mm-hmm. it's, you know, a group of people who normally wouldn't hang out with each other except for two of them who are supposed to be dating when the movie starts. Um, <laughs> but so like there's something and, and they so there's like a breakfast club yeah, situation. There and too. they feature each character enough so that you like you obviously find the one that you're like, oh, that's me. And then the mm-hmm. person is in the movie enough that you can, like, keep being on board with the movie, no matter who, who you're are identifying you? with. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Clea Duvall, although, like, not all the way. Okay. Who are you? Uh, well, when this movie came out, 100% Clea Duvall. <laughs> I'm less goth now, but not entirely. Uh, so still... Mostly Clea Duvall. But yeah, like maybe she... a little Elijah Wood. Yeah. And maybe also a little bit of Josh Hartnett. Yeah. More than I'd like. Um, Jordana Brewster, though, plays like the Molly Ringwald character. I, that's really the only way that I can describe it that she's supposed to be like the she's popular. The she's smart. Yeah. She's like the editor of the paper, but also oh, like and a real was... snob. She's... Yeah, at the very beginning, like, her boyfriend tries to kiss her, and she's like, whoa, 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 these are Estee Lauder lips. They take 72 minutes to apply, blah, 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 but she's wearing this, like, very subtle nude lip color that I'm like, why would you make that? I don't, I don't know. Very, just late 90s. It also, it has, like, enough really cool, like, gross-out moments to keep it really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of baby bangs. Which you don't like, but I really do. I don't like Oh them. my god, no. and I could watch Josh Hartnett and what's her name talk to each other forever. Mm-hmm. The teacher. But only in that one name? scene when she's a sexy alien, Famke Jensen. Oh my god, they're so hot together. <laughs> it's my dream couple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite is when her head gets chopped off and then it starts walking around. Uh-huh. And then her body picks it up. Uh-huh. Um, I also love that... So, like, basically, the plot of this movie is that aliens... It's, like, invasion of the body snatchers or whatever. They are taking over the school and replacing the faculty and eventually the students. Um, but these aliens are not suited to our atmosphere and our climate, so they get super dehydrated. <laughs> Which I just found hilarious because they have to drink water and be in water all the time. And, like, as a person who deals with chronic dehydration, I appreciated it. Made me laugh. Also, a lot of wet look gel in that movie. <laughs> well, it was 1997 hair. or 98. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was out was almost at the same time that Austin Powers was. Yeah. Was and I was thinking later. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because uh, doing Cinemaker's Amy Hackerling 
uh, I've been thinking a lot about things in relation to Clueless. Um, so this came out two years after Clueless, which I think is interesting. Um, just like to think about it in that uh, timeline of pop culture. It was like Clueless, Austin Powers, this. Or at least in this weird little bubble of wistful thinking that we're talking about. There's a great AV Club article that we both have read. Yeah, did you read it? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, and I'm um, so glad that you sent it to me. Because this, it made me reconsider the ending of this movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it also points out that this movie is a pro-drug movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way Which I that, really like. Because so Josh Hartnett's character, Zeke, um, sells drugs at the school um, but he also makes his own drugs. That he, yeah, that he makes out of caffeine, caffeine pills, and other household shit, as he would put it. Um, and he, and he puts it inside pens, and then they sniff mm-hmm. it out of pens. Oh, and he's also constantly... um, he calls it scat, which is another word for fecal matter, <laughs> particularly when you're talking about animals like bears. But anyway. Right, so, okay, so he sells, he makes his own drugs, sells it out of pens, um, and constantly opens them with his mouth, which to me is very Leonardo DiCaprio with the cigarette in his mouth. It's (laughs) so hot. Um, Mm. But, right, so the way that the, that they figure out to kill the aliens is to stab them with these drug pens because it dehydrates the aliens so quickly that they die. And so, because caffeine is a diuretic. Yeah, and so the way that they all have to prove that they're not aliens is by doing drugs. Yeah. Um, so it's a pro-drug it's movie. It's also like a pro-outsider movie, I feel like. Um, yeah. Because, like, I mean, the only reason that they're able to figure any of this shit out is because of Clea Duval's character's, like, encyclopedic knowledge of science fiction uh-huh. um and that and like they use her knowledge to to deal with the situation which i love uh-huh. although she says that invasion of the body snatchers ends differently than it actually does but that's fine whatever works for the movie um but yeah i i love that um i just love everything about this it's so good yeah so if you've never seen the faculty Go watch it. Um, it ends in a way that seems really counter to the entire movie that you just watched. And I was like, what the fuck? What? Like, this is deeply disappointing. They basically um, all just conform. Right. And it's interesting because it's like, that's what they were fighting so hard against for the entire movie. Well, not not conformance necessarily. They were fighting against the aliens, but like the ultimate goal of those aliens is basically to get everyone converted into an alien who would then conform to their society. So even though they defeat the aliens, they still wind up exactly the way that they were trying to exactly like what they were fighting against, which I found. Like uh, really annoying at first, anymore. and then really interesting when I thought about it. Yeah, I in all caps wrote down, "How dare they ungoth Clea Duval and make her straight?" And she like dates um, the football player. Yeah, mm-hmm. in like. Um, oh, I also wrote down at another point, "Why won't they just let her be a lesbian?" <laughs> yeah, because I was like frustrated by that, but 
It was in the 90s. And then, like, Elijah Wood dates the head cheerleader, and Josh Hartnett starts playing football. Like, they all just kind of become the thing that they never really wanted to be. And then it frames it as that thing making them, like, very happy. You know, they all fit in now. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Wood's character even says, like, look how much has changed. Isn't things great? Blah, 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 blah. But in the background, you see the football players uh, assaulting a, a different student. Like, it's just, not just because anymore. it's not him, he thinks that things have changed, but nothing has actually changed. Yeah. But that's, like, like the article, the AV Club article basically is, like, and that's the sad, shitty message of this movie. How bleak. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, like, high school is bleak. It's chaotic and, like, can feel, like, apocalyptic at times. You know, just because, like, you're young and you have hormones and, like, everything seems super intense. Um, that I think that this movie, like, the tone of this movie really captures in a way that not a lot of high school movies successfully do um there's uh one scene after we find out who basically the queen bee of the aliens is and they have to kill that entity so that all the other aliens die or whatever um and that person is like fully naked and walking through the locker room and there are these like tentacle Ooh, shadows I love that part all around them how beautiful it's, was that it's so incredible because yeah like she's she's walking in her human form but her shadow mm-hmm. is her alien form mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous and very scary very scary and like very tasteful you know like I feel like there are a lot of other ways that they could have shot that scene and shot her body that would have been uh, a lot more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. She she even forgets to acknowledge that she's naked. Like, Mm -hmm. she's not naked because she's, like, trying to use it to seduce anyone. She's just, like, an alien who changed forms and then went back to human and, like, legit forgot that she didn't have clothes on. Yeah. Because like, they reference she's it, and a human she, you body. can see her kind of like be like, "Oh, right." <laughs> yeah, and she and so she's like walking through this locker room, talking about how she could make like all the fear go away and make beautiful and perfect and fearless. And it just, I loved that scene so much. Um, and I also really enjoyed like the uh the creature design for the little aliens and the big alien they had like really cool mouths it's very 1998 cgi but i think that the but not all of it the was underlying CGI. design is really interesting what not all of it was cgi was it it was like that no actually was there like was a lot of half. interesting practical effects too yeah. yeah this was however executive produced by uh bob weinstein and harvey weinstein <laughs> which is like the first thing that comes up right after the movie ends when I was like still really mad about how the movie ends and I was like oh of course of course this was how it ended um so that's just like a thing that bums me out every time I watch a movie and their names come up 
But it was a good movie. A much better movie than Austin Powers. Much better. Much better. Oh, I also made a note about those platform Steve Madden mules. You know, the black ones with, like, that everyone wore no. in 1998? Wait, what do I, I Google to those? find it? Uh, let's see. Platform Steve Madden. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh... If you just Google Platform Steve Madden, it's the first one that comes up. Oh, yeah, those. I never had those, mm-hmm. but all the cool girls did. God, they're yeah, really ugly. Yeah, and Jordana Brewster wears them in this movie. They're really ugly. I mean, they're not really ugly, but they're kind of like, like now I would look at them and be like, they're like kind of like old lady shoes. Like, they're cool old yeah. lady shoes. Yeah. Wow, what other Steve Madden shoes were from the 90s that everyone had? This is, we need to do an episode about this. Yeah. Oh, the boots... That were basically the same thing, but boots. Black boots that were like mid-calf height. I mean, basically all of Steve Madden's shoes in the 90s were just some variation on this one platform sandal. Some of them were strappy. Some of them were like platform loafers. Because, I mean, 1998, this is the time of the Spice Girls... Um, Everything was Skechers about platforms, platforms. Like fat heels. Oh yeah, those yeah. Skecher. Remember those like Skecher like sneaker platforms? Uh yeah, yeah I do very vividly. Those were like everything. Mm-hmm. And candies came out around this time. Yeah, well, candies I think had been a brand that was around from the seventies. Well, they got cool around this time then. Yeah. Candies, shoes. Because they did those Jenny McCarthy ads. Mm hmm. (laughs) Oh man, shoes. (laughs) Okay, it's devolving to the part of the show where we are just Googling things and looking at them. Oh my god, I forgot. Okay, yes. Yes, that is true. Um, I forgot that those Jenny McCarthy candy ads, on one of them, she's sitting on the toilet. She's sitting on the toilet on more than one of them. Like, a lot of them, that's what they were, wasn't it? They were, like, all bathroom-themed. I can't believe I forgot about that. Uh, Anyway, yeah, you're right. We are at the part of the show where we're just Googling things and not talking much. (laughs) So that's as good a time as any to end this ill-fated episode of Wistful Thinking. Are we still going to have to keep watching dude comedies from the 90s yes here's why here's why here's why i i think that as we watch more of them it will create it's like we get to create a lens to like watch them through because then we get to compare them to each other i think it i think it will be bad and hard still but i also think it could get more interesting and I, I'm hoping that there are some surprises somewhere. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe I really like Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I like Jim Carrey. Okay. <laughs> Who are the other ones? I mean, you know, Chris Farley. <laughs> like, I'm still, yes. Okay. Well... Regardless, that's not what we're doing next month. 
next month we're gonna uh, watch some uh, Nora Ephron written comedies uh, we're gonna watch When Harry Met Sally and My Blue Heaven and it's gonna be nice and fun I don't know and... I think I'm gonna have a lot of problems and I don't think I'm gonna feel nice or fun <laughs> oh I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> Um, I mean, when Harry Met Sally certainly has its problems. I did just watch it recently, but it is still like the last ten minutes of that movie are fucking perfect, and it's a really like kind of sweet and funny movie. I haven't seen My Blue Heaven in a really long time, but I've never seen it. It's good question mark. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it in a really long time, so we'll see. Um, and we'll see if I quit the podcast. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find us and uh, all things Cage Club at cageclub.me. Follow us on social media at wistfulpod. Uh, you can follow me on social media at bimps, B-I-M-P-S-E, or find... Uh, all of the appearances that I've made on various Cage Club podcasts at cageclub.me slash Kara with a C. Uh, Jordan, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at jordopc. It's mostly just circus tricks, but they're pretty cool. Go watch them. Uh, I haven't been on any Cage Club podcasts recently. But, but if, you check if you go to cageclub.me slash Jordan, you'll see the yeah, past ones. I have been on many in the past. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to go watch Scream, I think. Ooh, good call. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it, and then this discussion uh, made me want to watch that. And then I might watch Teaching Mrs. Tingle, and then I might watch Disturbing Behavior, and then I might watch what you did last summer? I don't know. What is the title of that movie? I know what you did last summer. Oh, okay. Forgot the first part. So, yeah. We're just going to watch a bunch of hot teens doing horror movie shit. Running from stuff and sometimes getting stabbed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, how do I land this? I was doing such a good job, and then I got distracted, and this is how this podcast is going to end. So, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>